Thank you for listening to this message from Tree of Life Church. Our prayer is that it will be a blessing to you and that you will find it helpful for life. So open up your heart to receive God's word for you. Go ahead and open up your Bibles to Philippians 4.4. We are in a series, and you can go ahead and turn there, but before we get started, the series is on joy. I just want to reflect for a moment on an event that happened this week, and I think that we all should be uh, aware of, you know, just things that are going on and opportunities for us to stand with brothers and sisters in Christ. Uh, we're blessed to be able to be here this morning and have church and as we come and engage in the Lord. Um, but you know, in Charleston, South Carolina, there's a church that it's going to look different this morning. And nine people tragically lost their lives. And I don't know the background behind the young man or whatever, but just maybe, just maybe, and I, I don't mean this disrespect to anybody in his life, but just maybe it, someone that was an imitator of Christ might have had some impact or influence on them. I don't know if that would change that situation, but I know, men, if we'll live our lives as an imitator of Christ and invest in others, that we can change a lot of situations. And we live in a world that's not getting any better, and the Bible says it's not going to, and that's not a doom or gloom thing. It's like, let's, let's make sure we're connecting with God because he is the one that helps us overcome, and let's make sure that we understand we, have, we, we need to live with a sense of urgency in reaching out to everybody and sharing the love of Christ because Jesus is the only answer for this world. He is the only difference maker. So I think it would be... Uh, I think it'd be very good, very necessary for us to just take a moment of prayer and join our faith with that congregation, with all the changes, with the, the tragedy that's happened with the victims, the families, and the other families associated with that. Um, just, let's just lift up our faith right now and extend a prayer of peace and comfort and strength for that congregation, okay? So if you would just join me. Father, we just come before you brokenhearted. Uh, we come before you, Father God, just really... Just at a loss for words, perhaps, Father, but, but knowing that still that you're God and you are a good God. And we engage the God of heaven, the creator of heaven and earth. We engage the one, uh, Lord, the only true living God, that we can come with our petitions, with our prayers of faith, with our, with our prayer for peace and comfort for that wonderful church family, the AME Church Father in Charleston, South Carolina. They tragically have lost so many wonderful people, but we know they're in your arms, and we can, Lord, rejoice and celebrate that they knew you and are with you now in heaven. But Father, we pray for those that are, that are lost with, without their loved ones. We pray for your strength, your peace, your comfort, your courage, your forgiveness, Father God. We pray that they're able to come to that place of forgiveness, and I know many has. I've listened to things and, and find, Father God, not bitterness, but, but a release, Father God, of peace, into peace, rather. Uh, we pray for all the things associated with those families putting life back together. It'll look different, Father God, but you'll help them manage life back together. And then that, that congregation standing strong and standing tall and making a statement for Jesus Christ that somehow, some way, that there's an opportunity to point people towards you, Lord. And again, our prayers, Father God, not only for them, but the churches that gather together today, Lord, that may we understand how important we are to this lost and hurting world, that we don't come just to play games and just to do church or fulfill some religious obligation. We come to have an encounter with the only true and living God so that we can have change and transformation in our lives so we can leave different than how we came in, so we can take that light and life out into the world, Father God, and make a difference everywhere. We thank you, Lord, for your presence here in this place. We thank you for your presence there with them. And we give you glory and honor in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. So I just want to just keep praying for those families. And uh, we know that, uh, you know, God is bringing peace and comfort to their lives. And, but, you know, we live in a world that's just crazy. I, there's just things happening all the time. And so all the more reason for you and I to make sure that we're coming, steady, consistent, engaging in the things of God so we can grow and be that light. This dark world needs the light of Christ more than ever. And the church is that light. 
And so we come and we give everything to God and engage in him and we leave different so we can make a difference in this world. Uh, as the world gets uh, crazier and darker, um, at, at its worst perhaps, um, it needs a church at its best, amen? And let's make sure that we're bringing people that don't know Jesus every time. We're bringing people that are lost and that need to have an encounter with He's the only answer for that kind of stuff. So let's make sure we're doing our part. All right, Philippians 4.4 is our foundational scripture for this series. And uh, what we're doing is looking in the book of Philippians, and we're going chapter by chapter, and, and next week, of course, we'll wrap it up with chapter four, four chapters in the book, and we're seeing what Paul is writing about joy, and he lives at that time in a, in a crazy world as well. In fact, he's in jail. He's in prison, and he had dreams of going to Rome and preaching and revival, starting and changing Rome for Jesus, but he ends up in jail instead, and he ends up in a deep, dark, cold, dreary terrible place, chained to somebody 24-7. And so out of that, however, it's very interesting that he writes the book of joy, our book really where the theme is joy or rejoicing. And so he is an, if you would say, he's qualified, if anybody's qualified to write this book, and you can look up, I think it's 1 Corinthians 11 perhaps, that lists all the things that he had happen in his life, and beatings, and lashings, and shipwrecks, and just being rocks thrown at him and the whole thing. And yet he is a guy that somehow has managed to maintain his joy. Now I understand when we talked the last couple of weeks that joy is a choice. He's choosing to maintain his joy. Joy is a choice and it's a choice that's based on Christ, who he is and what he's done. And that's a huge deal for you and I to know because we typically get joy confused with happiness. And happiness is fickle. Happiness is based on chance. Happiness is determined by the circumstances round about us. And it seems to be so fleeting because there's things that happen in our life that are good things and we love that and that's good, I had a great day today and the next, wow, we had a bad day. And the importance of understanding the difference between joy and happiness not only will enable us to walk in joy, but it'll enable us to present joy to this world because it only can come from Jesus. Now, if we're basing our relationship with Jesus or understanding of who Jesus is based on happiness, we're not getting and the world is not getting a good picture. Because when we're happy, we think, thank you, Jesus, everything's good, today's a good day, and the next day we're sad, heartbroken, hurt, disappointed, and all of a sudden I'm like, where are you? <laughs> and our circumstances should not be the thing that determines our joy. It's based in Christ. Because everything's changing, but he is the one that changes not. Amen? The same yesterday, today, and forever. He has to be our anchor, our anchor for joy. So it's found in Christ, and as you build your relationship with him, you'll experience in a greater measure. So Philippians 4.4 4 says this. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again, rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord always. You find your joy in the Lord. It's in the Lord. And it says, I will say it again. And so as you find it in the Lord, you express it to other people. I'm gonna say it again. I can't keep from saying it. It's just gonna come out of me. And boy, does this world need the church to walk in joy that's expressed. And you know what I'm talking about. You'll look at people sometimes and you'll say, you'll see their life and well, I want, I want what they have, Right? And they're going through a tough thing and somehow they're living out of something different, something deeper. They're drinking out of a deeper well. And it's their relationship with Jesus that enables them to have joy in difficult times. And so the world looks and sees and knows there's something more to life and something that they can tap into and need to tap into. It says that we, are, we, we find our joy in Christ and we need to share it with the world. And let's just be honest, I don't know that the church or Christians do a really good job of sharing the joy of the Lord with other people. And do you think, sometimes you think that Christians are some of the meanest people on the planet? Some of the most judgmental, cr critical, that kind of thing. You know, it's like, wow, you just came out of church? What do they do? Just get ready lemon juice or whatever? Let's do communion. We're going to substitute lemon juice for grape juice today. How's that? It's going to be all right. And it's like some of the biggest turnoff, maybe a turnoff for you and you came to God later in life, 
because his church people were mean or judgmental or whatever we want to say with that. I just don't know that the world and the church, or the believers rather, and the church do a good job all the time of presenting the joy of the Lord. In fact, I just want to, a couple of examples. I don't know about you, I love reading signs around town that are on people's you know, marquee boards or whatever that is. I just like reading stuff like that. I find it interesting. So I did a little search and found some things, some, some churches, some Christians, Christ followers, I would assume, but churches that are putting things on their board and um, not really representing the joy of the Lord, I don't think. Let's take a look at the first one. See what you think. Don't let worries kill you. Let the church help. <laughs> come on in. Come one, come all. We got room for everybody, right? Okay. Let's look at the next one. Do you know what hell is? Come hear our preacher. I just, I almost didn't put that one up there. I almost didn't put that up there, but it's not on our mark keyboard. I'm just saying, okay, I almost left that one off. I probably should have. All right. How about this one? Whoever stole our AC units, keep one. It's hot where you're going. That's what it says. It's hot where you're going. Yeah. That's funny, isn't it? Yeah. What about forgiveness? God bless you. God's going to return us a hundredfold. Bless you if we forgive you. I don't know. Okay. Let's look at the next one. At Jesus' way, take the right turn. Others go to hell. I mean, it's like... I used to have people, hey, that's my church. That's, praise, praise God. We just don't do a very good job, I don't think, at times. As church and Christians, Christ followers, is really presenting the joy of the Lord to people. But here's a church, I'll give them credit for trying, in a very creative, innovative way, to maybe try and bring some happiness. And here's their board. Free beer. Just kidding. Jesus, free Jesus on Sunday at 1030. I don't... Some of you are right now, where that church is at? Where's that church at? I'm, I'm just kidding. We got free cereal. I don't know, coffee. So anyways, I don't think that we do a very good job sometimes, sometimes. But it, it may be because we just need to dig in a little deeper and really understand where joy comes from. And, and like anybody else, we're susceptible to things, and joy stealers, joy killers, if we don't really understand how to just really connect and keep our relationship connected and where joy really comes from. And again, we get confused with the happiness and the joy thing. And we live in a world, and as the shooting is an indicator, maybe an extreme, but we're living in an extreme world. And so we're living in a world that changes constantly and, and we need to really work for, fight for our joy and understand it. And let's go ahead now to Philippians 3. We're in chapter 3 today, chapter 4 next week as we finish up the book. And let's go there. And I especially want you dads or your father figures, father figures to really lock in this because I really think this is, a, this is a key that will help change our families, our homes, our marriages, those we have influence with, that we need to stay focused, focused on joy and not lose it so easily to the circumstances around about us. If we can get some father figures, they'll say focus on joy. It'll change a marriage. It'll change a family dynamic. It'll change relationships and it'll change our environments. And so God's agreeing right there. Amen, he says. All right. So the heavenly father looking out for me. Thank you, Lord. All right. So you need to lead your family in this way. Philippians 3, 1. Let's start here. New Living Translation says, whatever happens, say whatever happens. Whatever happens. Listen, it's no matter what. No matter what you're feeling, no matter what the circumstances are, no matter what choices are made, no matter what, no matter what the report is, no matter what the bank account's done, no matter if you expected it, saw it coming, never saw it, were blindsided, no matter what, my dear brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. Have joy, no matter what. You need this. And understand where Paul's coming from, again, in prison, difficult circumstances. But he says, whatever happens, and listen to how he said it again, no matter what. That's how he leads. That's his open chapter three. And it's interesting to me because he says, no matter what, my dear brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. You know what he's saying to me? I believe what he's saying here is, no matter what happens, rejoice in the Lord. Use joy as a weapon. 
I don't know if you've ever thought of it that way. I mean, we know joy, we celebrate and all this kind of stuff. And, and we're in difficult circumstances and tough things are going on in our life. We're going to pray. We're going to get a prayer meeting and you should. We're going to fast. We're going to call the elders to pray and you should. And we're going to get scriptures and stand on it as you should. Those are all weapons of our warfare. But do you realize that in the midst of your circumstances, Paul's saying that joy is a weapon against your circumstances? Think about that for a second. That we allow circumstances to change our joy, but really what Paul's saying is, hey, joy can change your circumstances, no matter what they are, no matter what happens. If we will learn to connect into joy, as Paul is giving us insight in this whole book of Philippians, then we can use joy to change our circumstances instead of our circumstances changing us or our joy. Joy is a weapon. That's amazing to me. Think about that. We don't typically include it in our arsenal, but for a believer, it is an extremely powerful weapon. And from what Paul says, it has the ability to change whatever happens, no matter what, how big or how small. I love that. It has power. So we need to go on with this and and finish out verse one. It says this, uh, rejoice in the Lord. I never get tired of telling you these things and I do it to safeguard your faith. You know what he's saying here is I'm reminding you. I'm I'm, I'm not getting tired of telling you. That means that the church in Corinth probably needed to be reminded over and over again where joy really comes from as probably the church in America everybody does anyways. We all need to be reminded where joy comes from. It doesn't get tired because it's so important. I'm going to tell you as many times as you need it. Why? Because it is going to help safeguard or protect your faith. Think about that for a second. It is going to help safeguard or protect our walk with Jesus. It's going to safeguard or protect our relationship with Christ. Paul's saying joy or rejoicing is a weapon to be used in whatever situation or whatever happens to protect your relationship or belief in Christ, who he is and what he has done. Because here's the reality of it, sometimes because our joy has been stolen or we've been in happiness, not in joy, then we can get a false image of God. And because God didn't meet the need the way I thought and I'm not all happy and jumpy and all this happened or whatever like that, then all of a sudden our picture and view of God has been tainted or he doesn't change, he's the same. Now circumstances do, but so Paul's saying, the more you continue to keep joy as a weapon and attack your circumstances with it, the more I remind you, hey, don't forget, I know you're going through stuff, but don't forget the more, the clearer picture, the better picture, your picture of God will be protected. And we need that protected. The world's attacking it all the time. And so we need to understand the power of joy. It's a weapon to be used to attack our circumstances and it will help protect, if you will, our relationship or picture of God. And so he's saying that we need to understand so we can use it appropriately. And and I love, he says, I never get tired of telling you because you live in a world and we live in a world that things just happen all the time. Let's skip down to verse 18. We're going to come back and fill in those verses, but let's start right here as we start the lesson this morning um, about really we're talking about a mindset, a mindset of joy or keeping your focus on a mindset of joy. So here's, here, let's start here in 18. For as I have often told you before, and now tell you again, even with tears, many live as enemies of the cross of Christ. Their destiny is destruction. Now listen to this, their God is their stomach, we'll get back to it, and their glory is in their shame. Their mind, here's the phrase, their mind is set on earthly things. And you know what, last week we talked about a joy killer, a joy stealer being absorbed with self and how that we really find our joy by serving others. Jesus is our example. And so today we're looking at another joy stealer, joy killer, and that is being earthly minded, being more concerned about the things on the earth than where it needs to be. And Paul's reinforcing the need to be reminded, and basically is what he's saying, the battle is in our mind a lot of times. It's our mindset. 
And I talked last week about our attitude, maybe. It's our mindset. The battle is the battle that we have in our mind and how we think or our mindset. And he says their, their mind is on earthly things. Well, whose isn't, right? I mean, come on. That's what we see, feel, hear. It's around us every day. And there is a struggle. There is a battle there. And Paul's telling us here in chapter 3 um, that there is uh, this uh, joy killer, joy stealer, and it is having uh, an earthly mindset. We lose our focus where it should be. And some of the things that uh, cause us to do that is, let me give you a couple of those. Number one, that we are unaware, we are being unaware of the benefits of the cross. Unaware of the benefits of the cross. Hey, the cross is an amazing, powerful thing in the life of a believer, amen? That's where Jesus bore sickness and disease. That's where he bore everything. That's where he delivered us and set us free, amen? He endured the cross with joy so that you and I can live a life of freedom. And so one of the enemies of our mindset of joy are, are, is, the, is being unaware of the benefits of the cross. And as believers, as Paul says, I, I don't mind telling you this over and over again, we need to remind ourselves of the power of the cross, amen? And we need not be unaware of the benefit that Jesus brought to you and I because of the work of the cross. And if you're a new believer, you need to keep going and keep growing in that knowledge. That's why you need to get in life groups and growth track and participate in that capacity. And as perhaps somebody that doesn't really know the Lord in in the context we're talking about today or relationship with Jesus, you need to know the benefit of the cross and get your life in line with it. Amen? And you can do that today. We're going to give you that opportunity at the end of our service to join four or five from first service. But we need to be aware of the benefits of the cross. And there's power there. Understand it this way. There is something greater than earthly things. And it's easy to become dependent on the world. But the benefit of the cross gave us the ability to live beyond the earthly things because of Jesus. Amen? But we get overwhelmed sometimes with life and we forget the benefits of the cross. Here's what you need to know. You'll never find in the world what only God can give. You will never find in the world only, uh, what God can only give. Through the cross, God gave us things that this world can never offer. Joy is one of those. Because if joy is found in Christ, and Christ did the work of the cross, then it's a supernatural work. So you can't find the supernatural joy that we all need in natural things. And the more we're unaware of the cross, the more we miss living beyond the natural. And that's where we find our joy. So Paul's saying, make sure you don't lose focus. Men, father figures, make sure you don't lose focus and don't let your families, don't let your spouses lose focus. If you're unaware of the benefits of the cross, find out what they are. Dig in, get involved. Remember that the world can only offer you happiness, not joy. Okay, another joy killer, a distraction for us is being addicted to pleasure. And we would live in a world and culture and society that I think is addicted to pleasure. It's the, if it feels good, do it thing. If it feels good, it doesn't matter what anybody else thinks. If it makes me happy, that's all that really matters. doesn't matter about anybody else. If it feels good, do it. Whatever makes you happy. And Paul said, be careful. Remember he said this, their God is their stomach. And he basically saying whatever makes them feel good, whatever they want, whatever they desire. And he says, and you don't ever find glory in, in, in shame. So he's talking about, it's not about doing what you want to do. There's no glory there, what pleases you. So he says, being addicted to pleasure can help you lose your mindset of joy. And really, honestly, in our world today, there's so much celebration of sin in our world today that it may lead to a time of happiness, but it's only for a fleeting moment, and sometimes it has very severe consequences associated with it. 
And so we need to understand that. And let me, let me give you the last one, being earthly minded, as we saw there, being earthly minded. Watch out, Paul says. And this doesn't have to be bad things. I'm not relating all this to bad things. This could be good things, because sometimes the good things can keep you from the God things. And sometimes the good things can make us comfortable. And good things are good. But sometimes they can make us comfortable and get into a routine and, and we get you know, maybe apathetic there. But understand this, God did not call us to a natural, comfortable life. He intended a supernatural life in Christ. And Paul says a major battle for you and I to have and keep our joy is the battle in our mind. In fact, let's take a look at Romans 12 too. Let's support it with some other scripture. Do not conform to the pattern, routine mindset of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. You need to renew the mind. That's where the battle is. So get your mind renewed, your mindset. Then you'll be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. Romans 8, 6 says it this way. The mind governed by the flesh is death, but the mind governed by the spirit is life and peace. And then Colossians 3, 2, love this one. Set your minds on things above, not on earthly things. Paul's saying the battle in chapter 3 is our mind, our mindset. And having the wrong one is a choice dealer. And those three things we mentioned can affect that. When we keep our minds focused, we realize there's more than this earth has to offer. Philippians 3.20. Here's what it says. Listen to this now. We're just finished that, that passage we just read. But, but our citizenship is in heaven. Praise God. My citizenship is not earthly. Not with Jesus Christ. Not because of the cross and accepting Jesus Christ. I belong to a different citizenship. I belong to a different community, if you will. Now, I'm on the earth, but I'm not of the world. I'm in the world, but not of the world. I'm a pilgrim. I'm a stranger. My citizenship is in heaven, and we eagerly await a Savior. It means we're focused. We're eagerly awaiting. We're focused. Now, understand the citizenship thing was a big deal to the church of Philippi because they were considered citizens of Rome, and being a citizen of Rome back that day was a big deal. It meant that you had the protection of Rome, you had the prosperity of Rome, and it was something to be very proud of, in fact. They had all the rights and benefits associated with being a citizen of Rome. But Paul says to them, as great as it is being a Roman citizen, hey, it's much greater to be a citizen of heaven, amen? And listen, we live in the greatest country on the planet. I don't care what it looks like. I don't care what people say. I don't care. We still live in the greatest country on the planet. I thank God that I'm a citizen of the United States of America. It's fantastic. I'm thankful for that. But I'm a citizen of heaven. And can I tell you, that's even better. I'm just saying that those benefits go beyond the natural things. It goes beyond the natural things that our citizenship here offers. And that's what Paul's saying his point was that you are experiencing great benefits of Rome, you're experiencing great benefits of the good old US of A, but you're a citizen of heaven and you can experience its benefits now. You don't have to wait till you get to heaven one day. They're there, the joy is there for you to experience now. Heaven on earth. And it eagerly await again, it says that's a mindset. So the key to joy is being eternally minded. Being eternally minded helps us win the battle of the mind. And then we, develop, we need to develop the right mindset in doing that. So he gives us three things in this chapter that will help us be eternally minded. Tells us how to be eternally minded. Let's take a look. Number one, let me give you the first thing. We need to see God's redemption for my yesterday. One thing that will help us be eternally minded is seeing God's redemption for our yesterday. He redeemed us, amen. The work of the cross bought our salvation, paid the penalty of our sin, and we become free, amen, because of what he did. Now understand uh, this, and he says this in verse seven. Let's take a look. 
Philippians 3, 7, but whatever were gains to me, whatever, doesn't matter, whatever benefits, whatever great things, whatever I worked for, whoever I was, what I went through, what I did, whatever were gains to me, I now consider loss for the sake of Christ. Nothing else matters. And basically saying everything I did, everything I attained, everything I achieved, and I was highly educated, he says he was highly educated above all, but he pursued and killed Christians. So basically he's saying, listen, I have a lot of baggage. I have a past. Paul says, I have baggage, but he's not living out of it. Now listen to this. We all have a past. But Paul says, I'm not letting my past define me. Understand that we all have baggage and we need to quit living out of it. In fact, John, would you mind bringing me that, that bag? I, I brought some baggage. Well, we all did. <laughs> I brought a suitcase. <laughs> Let me say it that way. No. Okay, that didn't go over very well. I thought, in my head, in my head it was really funny. But... Uh, and, uh, but I just, let me use this example here. We all have baggage. No matter who you are, we all have baggage. We all have a past. We have a history. I understand the work of the cross, but what Paul's saying is that baggage is not defining me. I'm not living out of that baggage today because of the redemption of the cross, because of what Jesus did. But so many of us are still, even though we have been redeemed, if we don't see the redemption of what happened in our life, we'll carry our baggage around. And here's the thing about baggage today, it's different than baggage yesterday. And I thought, how many bags can I bring? Can I be wielding a whole bunch of bags? Maybe I should get one big, huge bag. But understand, it doesn't matter how many bags you feel you're carrying, it doesn't matter how big the bags are you feel you're carrying or how heavy they are, to God, they're all the same. They've been redeemed, amen? He has paid the price through Jesus Christ, amen? You remember the bags, old school bags that were just had a handle on them. They were so stinking heavy, right? It's like, let's go, we're going out of town. Well, I'm going to wear the same thing every day because I don't want to carry that. That's really heavy. And we would. We, we didn't want to, they didn't have wheels that have anything. Here's society today. Society has just kind of infiltrated, compromised so many things. It made it easy for us to carry our baggage around. I got wheels on this thing and I got a nice handy dandy handle and I got this little strap thing. I can put more bags and more bags and more bags and I can take my bag and unzip a few zippers here and expand it. Isn't the world, the world's mindset has come in and made it so easy for us to carry more and more baggage around. But you know, you realize you can't live there. You live out of the redemption that Jesus bought and paid for you. And he took care of your baggage. I don't know. Just a funny side note. And when we travel and go places and, and we get an opportunity to do that, I'm the guy that on a trip, even if it's overnight, I have to unload everything out of my suitcase and put it in the drawers. It's funny because I don't live that way at home. <laughs> but no matter how long the trip is, we always try and get clothes washed before we come home. I live out of the suitcase when I get home then. I don't know what it is. I unpack it when I'm at a place, but at home, I'll just leave it on the floor unzipped and open and dig through it and find stuff I need to wear for that day, right? I don't But Paul says we all have baggage, but don't live out of it. Why? Because of redemption. Because Jesus paid the price. Amen. And to have an eternal mindset, you have to see God's redemption for your yesterday. See, we take, if we're not, we take, we take, our, we take our baggage with us. We, we take it into our marriage. We take it into our, our children, our parenting, our kids. We take it into our relationship, our workplace. We take it into our church. And Paul says it this way. He says, I'm not afraid of my past. I have a past, but I'm not going to live out of it. It's not going to define me. It's not going to make my mind focused on it. I'm going to live out of the redemption. Paul's not living out of his past. In fact, we see Paul using his past, applying redemption, and using it for the kingdom. And fathers and father figures, understand this. My goodness, to be the man God's called you to be, understand you have been redeemed from your past. You've been redeemed from your past. So live out of the freedom that's been provided there. And let me say it this way for all of us. God is more powerful than your past. 
well, pastor, you don't, you don't know what I've done. You don't know what I've done, how I've done, who I've done it to. You don't know what I did yesterday. You don't know what I did last time. You don't know what I've spent my whole life doing. And you know, honestly, I don't, and I don't want to. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I, I don't know what it is. I don't know what you've done. But you know what? I know what he's done. And I know what he's done is greater than what you've done, or <laughs> what you've done, what you will do, or what you'll ever do. Amen? His redemption is greater than your past. Amen? So Paul's saying, live there. Have any, a mindset like that. Paul says this in verse eight. Let me go. I was in seven. Let me go on to eight now. What is more, I consider everything a loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing, knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord, for whose sake I have lost all things. I consider them garbage that I may gain Christ. Now that matters. And be found in him, not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which is through faith in Christ's righteousness, Christ the righteousness that comes from God on the basis of faith. Verse 10. I want to know Christ, yes, to know the power of his resurrection, listen to this, and participation in his sufferings, becoming like him in his death. Verse 11, and so somehow attaining the resurrection from the dead. This is a man who identifies with redeemed. This is a man whose past has been redeemed. This is a man whose pain now has purpose and he's using it to promote eternal things. And Paul says in verse eight, he says, I want to know Christ. Everything else is secondary. In verse nine, he says, I'm reminding myself of righteousness in Christ, the work of the cross, what he's done. My sins have been washed away through his gift. And verse 11, he talks about participation in sufferings. He says, every day there's gonna be challenges. Every day there's gonna be challenges, but I'm keeping going on. I'm gonna keep going on. I'm pressing on. And I'm gonna see my yesterdays through his redemption. My past has been redeemed, amen? Number two, if we want to be eternally minded, the key to joy is this. See God's purpose for my today. See God's purpose for my today. See, you have a purpose. You have a divine purpose and destiny. If, if Philippians 3, 12 through 14 says this. Not that I've already attained all this or have already arrived at my goal, but I press on. Say press on. But I press on to take hold of that which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I don't consider myself yet to have taken hold of all of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind me and let the redemption take care of my past, I strain toward what is ahead of me. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for God, which he's called me heavenward. I press on. Paul said, I, I want to make my life about the one thing I was made to do. He says, I want to take hold of that which Christ has took hold of me for. I'm created for a purpose. I have a divine destiny. Ephesians 2 says this, you're God's workmanship prepared in advance to do great things. So walk in it. Romans says your call is irrevocable. That means no matter what, God will never take that call back from your life because he sees you in the way that he's created you to do something great. So Paul says, I'm staying focused. He's saying, I'm pressing on, I'm straining, I'm striving. He's focused on what he's doing. It's like an athlete. You can hear the wording here like an athlete. And some scholars would say it was, it was in relation to maybe a race, uh, a running race. And other scholars would believe it was more into chariot racing, the charioteers, if that's the word that you use for them. And understand, I love that picture because what Paul's saying is a, a person who would race a chariot gets in that chariot, grabs the reins from a team of horses, and then off they go. Now understand that we're, they're in that chariot holding on to those reins. They don't get to hold on. They don't get the luxury of holding on to the side of the chariot. Like, I'm like, I'm not falling out of this thing. It's got to be bumpy, bouncy. It's going fast. But other people are bumping into me. It's dangerous. Look at all these horses. Look at the terrain. I'm bouncing up and down. You know what Paul's saying here? And this is why I believe it was a chariot race. Paul's saying, I'm standing firm. I got those reins. Because if you drop the reins to hang on to the side of the chariot, guess what? You drop out of the race. 
But he's saying, I'm stressing, I'm pressing, I'm straining. Every bump, every bump in the road, every competitor that bumps against my chariot and tries to throw me, I cannot let go of these reins. I cannot keep, I can't, I can't allow myself to lose focus on what I'm doing and on my race and let the bumps calm, let the things bounce me around. But I'm saying focus, I'm pressing on with my purpose and my destiny today. Don't let the bumps and competition or uh, things of today get you off your focus for what God has created you to be and do in this world and in this life. He says, you want to be eternally minded, which is a key to your joy, is you need to be focused on God's purpose for today. There's no greater joy than living for what you're made for. No greater joy. But you're going to have people bump into you, into your chariot, try and knock you over. You're going to have bumps in just the terrain and try and knock you over. Press on. Strain. Stay focused. One of the things I want to tell you about that and fulfilling your purpose, just want to let you know, practically speaking, next week, our growth track class 401 is how, to find, is how to live for your purpose. It's how to find your place to serve. Serving opportunities everywhere. And so I encourage you guys to get in that. 915, we've got that class for you. So if you want to be eternally minded, see God's redemption for your yesterday and see God's purpose for your today. And number three, what Paul says to us here, is see God's plan for your tomorrow. See God's plan for my tomorrow. Let's take a look again. We've already read these scriptures, but Philippians 3, 20 through 21 says this. Our citizenship is in heaven. And we eagerly await, I'm focused on that, eagerly await a savior from there, the Lord Jesus Christ, who by the power that enables him to bring everything under his control will transform our lowly bodies so that they will be like his glorious body. Basically what this means is really ultimately heaven is God's plan for our tomorrow. If Jesus Christ is your Lord and savior because of the work of the cross and the acceptance of Jesus, your future is heaven Whenever your earthly time, which is temporary and a vapor and but a miss and is only a short while, guess what, believers? Your future is heaven. God's plan for your future is heaven. And listen, if our future, God's plan for my future is heaven, then there's no way, no reason why I should hold back in my living while I'm here on this earth. If my eternity is found in heaven and it is because of Jesus Christ, then I can live life to the full. I can weather any circumstance, any storm. The joy of the Lord will be my strength until I find myself on the other side one day. Amen. I have nothing to fear then. I have no reason to hold back. And we need to live with a sense of urgency because we're not promised tomorrow. Let's make the most of every day. Let's not squander a moment, an opportunity, a resource. And let's make sure we're going to take as many people with us to heaven as we possibly can. We want their future plans to be heaven. And I know that there's just challenges and things and we don't understand and how, the come, the why, but Paul wrestled with that idea. We saw it last chapter, I believe, or first chapter, and he said, he said this, man, I'm, 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 in, a, I'm in a tough position. Uh, help me out here. If I, if I die, I go to heaven, which is the ultimate victory. If, if I live, I live for him. And so Paul knew where his eternity was secure. God's plan for his tomorrow, whenever that came, was heaven. So live with courage. L- live with abandon for the things of God. Don't hold back. No matter what happens on this earth, heaven is waiting. Uh, one day we'll all die. And let me just give you the statistic on that. That's 100%. Okay? But heaven awaits. Amen? The reality is heaven. If you want joy that's found in Christ, then you need to be eternally minded. You need to see God's redemption for your past. You need to see God's purpose for your today and see God's plan for your tomorrow. And listen to me, especially fathers and father figures, understand this, the joy mindset is to see God in your past, present, and future. He is in all of them. He has been, he is, and he always will be. And he is the source of our joy. 
Be focused. Be eternally minded. Let's go back to Philippians 3.1 real quick again. New Living Translation. Whatever happens, whatever happens, whatever you face or are facing, my dear brothers and sisters, rejoice in the Lord. Rejoice in the Lord. Keep your focus. Let's all stand. My heart, my hope this morning in conveying what I believe the principles of chapter three do about our joy is that we need to have a focus on the things of God. We need to make sure that we are allowing the redemption to cover our past and we're not dragging our baggage with us. We're not living out of it. We need to make sure that we are focused on our purpose. There's things that God created us to do while we're here and let's do them because there's no, no greater joy than doing what you were created to do and let's live with a focus on eternity. So whatever happens to me, Paul says, whatever happens to me, happens to me. I'm gonna live life to the full and if I go to heaven, I win. If I'm here, I'm still winning, living life to the full, making a difference in this world. That's the mark of believers. That's where that comes from. And that needs to be the mark of you and I as not only as we engage in services like this, but as we go out and live in that world, because this world needs a church to know and live in what joy truly is. We hope that you enjoyed this message. You can find more messages and information about Tree of Life Church at treeoflifechurch.org. We'd like to invite you to come visit us at 5513 IH35 South in New Braunfels, Texas, or you can watch us on live stream. Thank you again for listening.